section thirty one of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty nine how fares the man on whom good men would look with eyes where scorn and censure combated but that kind christian love hath taught the lesson that they who merit most contempt and hate do most deserve our pity old play it might have seemed natural that the visit of john christie should have entirely diverted nigel's attention from his slumbering companion and for a time such was the immediate effect of the chain of new ideas which the incident introduced yet soon after the injured man had departed lord glenvarlock began to think it extraordinary that the boy should have slept so soundly while they talked loudly in his vicinity yet he certainly did not appear to have stirred was he well was he only feigning sleep he went close to him to make his observations and perceived that he had wept and was still weeping though his eyes were closed he touched him gently on the shoulder the boy shrunk from his touch but did not awake he pulled him harder and asked him if he was sleeping do they waken folk in your country to know whether they are asleep or no said the boy in a peevish tone no my young sir answered nigel but when they weep in the manner you do in your sleep they awaken them to see what ails them it signifies little to any one what ails me said the boy true replied lord glenvarlock but you knew before you went to sleep how little i could assist you in your difficulties and you seem disposed notwithstanding to put some confidence in me if i did i have changed my mind said the lad and what may have occasioned this change of mind i trow said lord glenvarlock some men speak through their sleep perhaps you have the gift of hearing in it no but the patriarch joseph never dreamt truer dreams than i do indeed said lord glenvarlock and pray what dream have you had that has deprived me of your good opinion for that i think seems the moral of the matter you shall judge yourself answered the boy i dreamed i was in a wild forest where there was a cry of hounds and winding of horns exactly as i heard in greenwich park that was because you were in the park this morning you simple child said nigel stay my lord said the youth i went on in my dream till at the top of a broad green alley i saw a noble stag which had fallen into the toils and methought i knew that he was the very stag which the whole party were hunting and that if the chase came up the dogs would tear him to pieces or the hunters would cut his throat and i had pity on the gallant stag and though i was of a different kind from him and though i was somewhat afraid of him i thought i would venture something to free so stately a creature and i pulled out my knife and just as i was beginning to cut the meshes of the net the animal started up in my face in the likeness of a tiger much larger and fiercer than any you may have seen in the ward of the wild beasts yonder and was just about to tear me limb from limb when you awaked me methinks said nigel i deserve more thanks than i have got for rescuing you from such a danger by waking you but my pretty master methinks all this tale of a tiger and a stag has little to do with your change of temper towards me i know not whether it has or no said the lad but i will not tell you who i am you will keep your secret to yourself then peevish boy said nigel turning from him and resuming his walk through the room then stopping suddenly he said 
and yet you shall not escape from me without knowing that i penetrate your mystery my mystery said the youth at once alarmed and irritated what mean you my lord only that i can read your dream without the assistance of a chaldean interpreter and my exposition is that my fair companion does not wear the dress of her sex and if i do not my lord said his companion hastily starting up and folding her cloak tight around her my dress such as it is covers one who will not disgrace it many would call that speech a fair challenge said lord glenvarlock looking on her fixedly women do not masquerade in men's clothes to make use of men's weapons i have no such purpose said the seeming boy i have other means of protection and powerful but i would first know what is your purpose an honourable and a most respectful one said lord glenvarlock whatever you are whatever motive may have brought you into this ambiguous situation i am sensible every look word and action of yours makes me sensible that you are no proper subject of importunity far less of ill-usage what circumstances can have forced you into so doubtful a situation i know not but i feel assured that there is and can be nothing in them of premeditated wrong which should expose you to cold-blooded insult from me you have nothing to dread i expected nothing less from your nobleness my lord answered the female my adventure though i feel it was both desperate and foolish is not so very foolish nor my safety here so utterly unprotected as at first sight and in this strange dress it may appear to be i have suffered enough and more than enough by the degradation of having been seen in this unfeminine attire and the comments you must necessarily have made on my conduct but i thank god that i am so far protected that i could not have been subjected to insult unavenged when this extraordinary explanation had proceeded thus far the warder appeared to place before lord glenvarlock a meal which for its present situation might be called comfortable and which if not equal to the cookery of the celebrated chevalier beaujeu was much superior in neatness and cleanliness to that of alsatia a warder attended to do the honours of the table and made a sign to the disguised female to rise and assist him in his functions but nigel declaring that he knew the youth's parents interfered and caused his companion to eat along with him she consented with a sort of embarrassment which rendered her pretty features yet more interesting yet she maintained with a natural grace that sort of good breeding which belongs to the table and it seemed to nigel whether already prejudiced in her favour by the extraordinary circumstances of their meeting or whether really judging from what was actually the fact that he had seldom seen a young person comport herself with more decorous propriety mixed with ingenuous simplicity while the consciousness of the peculiarity of her situation threw a singular colouring over her whole demeanour which could be neither said to be formal nor easy nor embarrassed but was compounded of and shaded with an interchange of all these three characteristics wine was placed on the table of which she could not be prevailed on to taste a glass their conversation was of course limited by the presence of the warder to the business of the table but nigel had long ere the cloth was removed formed the resolution if possible of making himself master of this young person's history the more especially as he now began to think that the tones of her voice and her features were not so strange to him as he had originally supposed this however was a conviction which he adopted slowly and only as it dawned upon him from particular circumstances during the course of the repast at length the prison meal was finished and lord glenvarlock began to think 
how he might most easily enter upon the topic he meditated when the warder announced a visitor so said nigel something displeased i find even a prison does not save one from importunate visitations he prepared to receive his guest however while his alarmed companion flew to the large cradle-shaped chair which had first served her as a place of refuge drew her cloak around her and disposed herself as much as she could to avoid observation she had scarce made her arrangements for that purpose when the door opened and the worthy citizen george harriet entered the prison chamber he cast around the apartment his usual sharp quick glance of observation and advancing to nigel said my lord i wish i could say i was happy to see you the sight of those who are unhappy themselves master harriet seldom produces happiness to their friends i however am glad to see you he extended his hand but harriet bowed with much formal complaisance instead of accepting the courtesy which in those times when the distinction of ranks was much guarded by etiquette and ceremony was considered as a distinguished favour you are displeased with me master harriet said lord glenvarlock reddening for he was not deceived by the worthy citizen's affectation of extreme reverence and respect by no means my lord replied harriet but i have been in france and have thought it is well to import along with other more substantial articles a small sample of that good breeding which the french are so renowned for it is not kind of you said nigel to bestow the first use of it on an old and obliged friend harriet only answered to this observation with a short dry cough and then proceeded hem hem i say ahem my lord as my french politeness may not carry me far i would willingly know whether i am to speak as a friend since your lordship is pleased to term me such or whether i am as befits my condition to confine myself to the needful business which must be treated of between us speak as a friend by all means master harriet said nigel i perceive you have adopted some of the numerous prejudices against me if not all of them speak out and frankly what i cannot deny i will at least confess and i trust my lord redress said harriet so far as in my power certainly answered nigel ah i my lord continued harriet that is a melancholy though a necessary restriction for how lightly may any one do an hundred times more than the degree of evil which it may be within his power to repair to the sufferers and to society but we are not alone here he said stopping and darting his shrewd eye towards the muffled figure of the disguised maiden whose utmost efforts had not enabled her so to adjust her position as altogether to escape observation more anxious to prevent her being discovered than to keep his own affairs private nigel hastily answered tis a page of mine you may speak freely before him he is of france and knows no english i am then to speak freely said harry after a second glance at the chair perhaps my words may be more free than welcome go on sir said nigel i have told you i can bear reproof in one word then my lord why do i find you in this place and whelmed with charges which must blacken a name rendered famous by ages of virtue simply then you find me here said nigel because to begin from my original error i would be wiser than my father it was a difficult task my lord replied harriet your father was voiced generally as the wisest and one of the bravest men of scotland he commanded me continued nigel to avoid all gambling and i took upon me to modify this injunction into regulating my play according to my skill means and the course of my luck i self-opinion acting on a desire of acquisition my lord you hope to touch pitch and not to be defiled answered harriet well my lord you need not say 
for i have heard with much regret how far this conduct diminished your reputation your next error i may without scruple remind you of my lord my lord in whatever degree lord dalgarno may have failed towards you the son of his father should have been sacred from your violence you speak in cold blood master harriet and i was smarting under a thousand wrongs inflicted on me under the mask of friendship that is he gave your lordship bad advice and you said harriet was fool enough to follow his counsel answered nigel but we will pass this master harriet if you please old men and young men men of the sword and men of peaceful occupation always have thought always will think differently on such subjects i grant answered harriet the distinction between the old goldsmith and the young nobleman still you should have had patience for lord huntingland's sake and prudence for your own supposing your quarrel just i pray you to pass on to some other charge said lord Glenvarlock. i am not your accuser my lord but i trust in heaven that your own heart has already accused you bitterly on the inhospitable wrong which your late landlord has sustained at your hand had i been guilty of what you allude to said lord Glenvarlock, had a moment of temptation hurried me away i had long ere now most bitterly repented it but whoever may have wronged the unhappy woman it was not i i never heard of her folly until within this hour come my lord said harriet with some severity this sounds too much like affectation i know there is among our modern youth a new creed respecting adultery as well as homicide i would rather hear you speak of a revision of the decalogue with mitigated penalties in favour of the privileged orders i would rather hear you do this than deny a fact in which you have been known to glory glory i never did never would have taken honour to myself from such a cause said lord Glenvarlock. i could not prevent other idle tongues and idle brains from making false inferences you would have known well enough how to stop their mouths my lord replied harriet had they spoke of you what was unpleasing to your ears and what the truth did not warrant come my lord remember your promise to confess and indeed to confess is in this case in some slight sort to redress i will grant you are young the woman handsome and as i myself have observed light-headed enough let me know where she is her foolish husband has still some compassion for her will save her from infamy perhaps in time receive her back for we are a good-natured generation we traitors do not my lord emulate those who work mischief merely for the pleasure of doing so it is the very devil's worst quality your grave remonstrances will drive me mad said nigel there is a show of sense and reason in what you say and yet it is positively insisting on my telling the retreat of a fugitive of whom i know nothing earthly it is well my lord answered harriet coldly you have a right such as it is to keep your own secrets but since my discourse on these points seems so totally unavailing we had better proceed to business yet your father's image rises before me and seems to plead that i should go on be it as you will sir said glenvarlock he who doubts my word shall have no additional security for it well my lord in the sanctuary of whitefriars a place of refuge so unsuitable to young men of quality and character i am told a murder was committed and you believe that i did the deed i suppose god forbid my lord said harriet the coroner's inquest hath sat and it appeared that your lordship under your assumed name of graham behaved with the utmost bravery no compliment i pray you said nigel i am only too happy to find that i did not murder or am not believed to have murdered the old man true my lord said harry but even in this affair there lacks explanation your lordship embarked this morning in a wherry with a female 
and it is said an immense sum of money in specie and other valuables but the woman has not since been heard of i parted with her at paul's wharf said nigel where she went ashore with her charge i gave her a letter to that very man john christie ay that is the waterman's story but john christie denies that he remembers anything of the matter i am sorry to hear this said the young nobleman i hope in heaven she has not been trepanned for the treasure she had with her i hope not my lord replied harry but men's minds are much disturbed about it our national character suffers on all hands men remember the fatal case of lord sanquar hanged for the murder of a fencing-master and exclaim they will not have their wives hoard and their property stolen by the nobility of scotland and all this is laid to my door said nigel my exculpation is easy i trust so my lord said harry nay in this particular i do not doubt it but why did you leave whitefriars under such circumstances master reginald lowestoff sent a boat for me with intimation to provide for my safety i am sorry to say replied harriet that he denies all knowledge of your lordship's motions after having dispatched a messenger to you with some baggage the watermen told me they were employed by him watermen said harriet one of these proves to be an idle apprentice an old acquaintance of mine the other has escaped but the fellow who is in custody persists in saying he was employed by your lordship and you only he lies said lord glenvarlock hastily he told me master lowestoff had sent him i hope that kind-hearted gentleman is at liberty he is answered harriet and has escaped with a rebuke from the benchers for interfering in such a matter as your lordship's the court desire to keep well with the young templars in these times of commotion for or he had not come off so well that is the only word of comfort i have heard from you replied nigel but this poor woman she and her trunk were committed to the charge of two porters so said the pretended waterman but none of the fellows who ply at the wharf will acknowledge the employment i see the idea makes you uneasy my lord but every effort is made to discover the poor woman's place of retreat if indeed she yet lives and now my lord my errand is spoken so far as it relates exclusively to your lordship what remains is matter of business of a more formal kind let us proceed to it without delay said lord glenvarlock i would hear of the affairs of any one rather than of my own you cannot have forgotten my lord said harry the transaction which took place some weeks since at lord hentinglands by which a large sum of money was advanced for the redemption of your lordship's estate i remember perfectly said nigel and your present austerity cannot make me forget your kindness on the occasion harriet bowed gravely and went on that money was advanced under the expectation and hope that it might be replaced by the contents of a grant to your lordship under the royal sign manual in payment of certain monies due by the crown to your father i trust your lordship understood the transaction at the time i trust you now understand my presumption of its import and hold it to be correct undeniably correct answered lord glenvarlock if the sums contained in the warrant cannot be recovered my lands become the property of those who paid off the original holders of the mortgage and now stand in their right even so my lord said harriet and your lordship's unhappy circumstances having it would seem alarmed these creditors they are now i am sorry to say pressing for one or other of these alternatives possession of the land or payment of their debt they have a right to one or other answered lord glenvarlock and as i cannot do the last in my present condition i suppose they must enter on possession stay my lord replied harriet if you have ceased to call me a friend to your person at least you shall see i am willing to be such to your father's house were it but for the sake of your father's memory if you will trust me with the warrant under the signed manual i believe circumstances do now so stand at court 
that i may be able to recover the money for you i would do so gladly said lord glenvarlock but the casket which contains it is not in my possession it was seized when i was arrested at greenwich it will be no longer withheld from you said harriet for i understand my master's natural good sense and some information which he has procured i know not how has induced him to contradict the whole charge of the attempt on his person it is entirely hushed up and you will only be proceeded against for your violence on lord dalgarno committed within the verge of the palace and that you will find heavy enough to answer i will not shrink under the weight said lord glenvarlock but that is not the present point if i had that casket your baggage stood in the little ante-room as i passed said the citizen the casket caught my eye i think you had it of me it was my old friend sir faithful frugals i he too had a son here he stopped short a son who like lord glenvarlock's did no credit to his father was it not so you would have ended the sentence master harriet asked the young nobleman my lord it was a word spoken rashly answered harriet god may mend all in his own good time this however i will say that i have sometimes envied my friends their fair and flourishing families and yet have i seen such changes when death has removed the head so many rich men's sons penniless the heirs of so many knights and nobles acreless that i think mine own estate and memory as i shall order it has a fair chance of outliving those of greater men though god has given me no heir of my name but this is from the purpose ho warder bring in lord glenvarlock's baggage the officer obeyed seals had been placed upon the trunk and casket but were now removed the warder said in consequence of the subsequent orders from court and the whole was placed at the prisoner's free disposal desirous to bring this painful visit to a conclusion lord glenvarlock opened the casket and looked through the papers which it contained first hastily and then more slowly and accurately but it was all in vain the sovereign's signed warrant had disappeared i thought and expected nothing better said george harriet bitterly the beginning of evil is the letting out of water here is a fair heritage lost i dare say on a foul cast at dice or a conjuring trick at cards my lord your surprise is well played i give you full joy of your accomplishments i have seen many as young brawlers and spendthrifts but never as young and accomplished a dissembler nay man never bend your angry brows on me i speak in bitterness of heart from what i remember of your worthy father and if his son hears of his degeneracy from no one else he shall hear it from the old goldsmith this new suspicion drove nigel to the very extremity of his patience yet the motives and zeal of the good old man as well as the circumstances of suspicion which created his displeasure were so excellent an excuse for it that they formed an absolute curb on the resentment of lord glenvarlock and constrained him after two or three hasty exclamations to observe a proud and sullen silence at length master harriet resumed his lecture hark you my lord he said it is scarce possible that this most important paper can be absolutely assigned away let me know in what obscure corner and for what petty sum it lies pledged something may yet be done your efforts in my favour are the more generous said lord glenvarlock as you offer them to one whom you believe you have cause to think hardly of but they are altogether unavailing fortune has taken the field against me at every point even let her win the battle zounds exclaimed harriet impatiently you would make a saint swear why i tell you if this paper the loss of which seems to sit so light on you be not found farewell to the fair lordship of glenvarlock firth and forest lee and furrow lake and stream all that has been in the house of oliphant since the days of william the lion farewell to them then said nigel and that moan is soon made 
so death my lord you will make more moan for it ere you die said eric in the same tone of angry impatience not i my old friend said nigel if i mourn master harry it will be for having lost the good opinion of a worthy man and lost it as i must say most undeservedly ay ay young man said harriet shaking his head make me believe that if you can to sum the matter up he said rising from his seat and walking towards that occupied by the disguised female for our matters are now drawn into small compass you shall as soon make me believe that this masquerading mummer on whom i now lay the hand of paternal authority is a french page who understands no english so saying he took hold of the supposed page's cloak and not without some gentle degree of violence let him into the middle of the apartment the disguised fair one who in vain attempted to cover her face first with her mantle and afterwards with her hands both which impediments master harriet removed something unceremoniously and gave to view the detected daughter of the old chronologist his own fair goddaughter margaret ramsay here is goodly gear he said and as he spoke he could not prevent himself from giving her a slight shake for we have elsewhere noticed that he was a severe disciplinarian how comes it mainly that i find you in so shameless a dress and so unworthy a situation nay your modesty is now mistimed it should have come sooner speak or i will master harriet said lord glenvarlock whatever right you may have over this maiden elsewhere while in my apartment she is under my protection your protection my lord a proper protector and how long mistress have you been under my lord's protection speak out forsooth for the matter of two hours godfather answered the maiden with a countenance bent to the ground and covered with blushes but it was against my will two hours repeated harry space enough for mischief my lord this is i suppose another victim offered to your character of gallantry another adventure to be boasted of at beaujeu's ordinary methinks the roof under which you first met this silly maiden should have secured her at least from such a fate on my honour master harriet said lord glenvarlock you remind me now for the first time that i saw this young lady in your family her features are not easily forgotten and yet i was trying in vain to recollect where i had last looked on them for your suspicions they are as false as they are injurious both to her and me i had but discovered her disguise as you entered i am satisfied from her whole behaviour that her presence here in this dress was involuntary and god forbid that i have been capable of taking advantage of it to her prejudice it is well mouthed my lord said master harry but a cunning clerk can read the apocrypha as loud as the scripture frankly my lord you are come to that pass where your words will not be received without a warrant i should not speak perhaps said margaret the natural vivacity of whose temper could never be long suppressed by any situation however disadvantageous but i cannot be silent godfather you do me wrong and no less wrong to this young nobleman you say his words want a warrant i know where to find a warrant for some of them and the rest i deeply and devoutly believe without one and i thank you maiden replied nigel for the good opinion you have expressed i am at that point it seems though how i have been driven to it i know not where every fair construction of my actions and motives is refused me i am the more obliged to her who grants me that right which the world denies me for you lady were i at liberty i have a sword and arm should know how to guard your reputation upon my word a perfect amadis and oriana said george harried i should soon get my throat cut betwixt the knight and the princess i suppose but that the beef-eaters are happily within halloo come come lady light a love if you mean to make your way with me it must be by plain facts not by speeches from romance and playbooks how in heaven's name came you here sir answered margaret since i must speak i went to greenwich this morning with mona paula 
to present a petition to the king on the part of the lady hermione mercy egad exclaimed harry is she in the dance too could she not have waited my return to stir in her affairs but i suppose the intelligence i sent her had rendered her restless ah woman woman he that goes partner with you had need of a double share of patience for you will bring none into the common stock well but what on earth had this embassy of monopolis to do with your absurd disguise speak out monopola was frightened answered margaret and did not know how to set about the errand for you know she scarce ever goes out of doors and so and so i agreed to go with her to give her courage and for the dress i am sure you remember i wore it at a christmas mumming and you thought it not unbeseeming yes for a christmas parlour said harriet but not to go a-masking through the country in i do remember it minion and i knew it even now that in your little shoe there linked with a hint i had in the morning from a friend or one who called himself such led to your detection here lord glenvarlock could not help giving a glance at the pretty foot which even the state citizen thought worth recollection it was but a glance for he saw how much the least degree of observation added to margaret's distress and confusion and tell me maiden continued master harriet for what we have observed was by play did the lady hermione know of this fair work i dared not have told her for the world said margaret she thought one of our apprentices went with monopolo it may be here noticed that the words our apprentices seem to have in them something of a charm to break the fascination with which lord glenvarlock had hitherto listened to the broken yet interesting details of margaret's history and wherefore went he not he had been a fitter companion for monopola than you i wot said the citizen he was otherwise employed said margaret in a voice scarce audible master george darted a hasty glance at nigel and when he saw his features betokened no consciousness he muttered to himself it must be better than i feared and so this cursed spaniard with her head full as they all have of disguises trap-doors rope-ladders and masts was jade and fool enough to take you with her on this wild goose errand and how sped you i pray just as we reached the gate of the park replied margaret the cry of treason was raised i know not what became of mona but i ran till i fell into the arms of a very decent serving man called linklater and i was fain to tell him i was your goddaughter and so he kept the rest of them from me and got me to speech of his majesty as i entreated him to do it is the only sign you showed in the whole matter that common sense had not utterly deserted your little skull said harriet his majesty continued the damsel was so gracious as to receive me alone though the courtiers cried out against the danger to his person and would have searched me for arms god help me but the king forbade it i fancy he had a hint from linklater how the truth stood with me well maiden i ask not what passed said harry it becomes not me to pry into my master's secrets had you been closeted with his grandfather the red tod of st andrews as davy lindsay used to call him by my faith i should have had my own thoughts of the matter but our master god bless him is deuce and tempered and solomon in everything save in the chapter of wives and concubines i know not what you mean sir answered margaret his majesty was most kind and compassionate but said i must be sent hither and that the lieutenant's lady the lady mansell would have her charge of me and see that i sustained no wrong and the king promised to send me in a tilted barge and under conduct of a person well known to you and thus i come to be in the tower but how or why in this apartment nymph said george harriet expound that to me for i think the riddle needs reading i cannot explain it sir further than that the lady mansell sent me here in spite of my earnest prayers tears and entreaties i was not afraid of anything for i knew i should be protected but i could have died then could die now for very shame and confusion very well if your tears are genuine 
said harriet they may the sooner wash out the memory of your fault knows your father aught of this escape of yours i would not for the world he did replied she he believes me with the lady hermione i honest davy can regulate his horologes better than his family come damsel now i will escort you back to the lady mansell and pray her of her kindness that when she is again trusted with the goose she will not give it to the fox to keep the warders will let us pass to my lady's lodgings i trust stay but one moment said lord glenvarlock whatever hard opinion you may have formed of me i forgive you for time will show that you do me wrong and you yourself i think will be the first to regret the injustice you have done me but involve not in your suspicions this young person for whose purity of thought angels themselves should be vouchers i have marked every look every gesture and whilst i can draw breath i shall ever think of her with think not at all of her my lord answered george harriet interrupting him it is i have a notion the best favour you can do her or think of her as the daughter of davy ramsay the clockmaker no proper subject for fine speeches romantic adventures or high-flown arcadian compliments i give you god den my lord i think not altogether so harshly as my speech may have spoken if i can help that is if i saw my way clearly through this labyrinth but it avails not talking now i give your lordship god den here warder permit us to pass to the lady hansel's apartment the warder said he must have orders from the lieutenant and as he retired to procure them the parties remained standing near each other but without speaking and scarce looking at each other save by stealth a situation which in two of the party at least was sufficiently embarrassing the difference of rank though in that age a consideration so serious could not prevent lord glenvarlock from seeing that margaret ramsay was one of the prettiest young women he had ever beheld from suspecting he could scarce tell why that he himself was not indifferent to her from feeling assured that he had been the cause of much of her present distress admiration self-love and generosity acting in favour of the same object and when the yeoman returned with permission to his guest to withdraw nigel's obeisance to the beautiful daughter of the mechanic was marked with an expression which called upon her cheeks as much colour as any incident of the eventful day had hitherto excited she returned the courtesy timidly and irresolutely clung to her godfather's arm and left the apartment which dark as it was had never yet appeared so obscure to nigel as when the door closed behind her End of chapter twenty nine